0: here we are hey hey, hey. third time's a charm and we're not
1: (laughs) (laughs) Luke's good to see you man yeah yeah, it's good to see you and it's not like I have seen you a lot over the past 48 hours so it's fine I know I know I know last night we had a zoom call
0: hopefully it'll become monthly if not weekly but with our college buddies and it was so it's just so good to be together. Mm-hmm. It is like when the oil falls upon the head of Aaron and drips down under the beard and the shoulders.
1: I was going to say it's like John Belushi in Animal House but without all the all <laughs> of the sin and peeping. So, you know, without all of the sin? Be sure. Sure. Yeah. So, sure. fun fact, we recorded this An episode that I would have been curious to see what would have happened to it. Yeah. And then your old pal Luke went into the file to get the file, and the file only had Gomer. It says that I'm on the recording, but you don't hear me at all. And the good (laughs) news is we were talking about David Foster Wallace and irony. Yeah. And David Foster Wallace wrote a 900-page book in the 90s, so you can imagine how that conversation went. Not (laughs) easy to duplicate. Yeah. So we will get back to that topic, but instead... I did a backup just in case, which actually panned out on some 10-minute topics. Look at that gray. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I'm, just, I'm looking at my beard, and it's a little bit long, <laughs> so the gray is coming through. And I just, wow, I'm just dead inside. So uh, we're going to do some 10-minute topics. We are on Riverside. We've got some patrons in the chat. Gomer, I'm probably going to be paranoid about the audio. Do you want to pay attention to the chat, or do you want me to pay attention to the chat, or should we just ignore the
0: chat? I will periodically pop into the chat, but I told them that we will not be chatting with the
1: chat too much. <laughs> we can't do too much at once. Sorry, it's not you guys, it's actually us. Ooh, maybe, uh, maybe they do have a role we're not of a producer, so don't they? Let's... Like someone who
0: Yes. Ooh, that could be cool. Having Kate on here who monitors the chat. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Wheels are spinning. Wheels are spinning. <laughs> Luke, ten minute topics. I, can I introduce something to you before we begin? Something that is a mag- magical. Yes. Okay. You can't really see it. It's coffee. My wife, about six months ago, bought a milk frother, and I rolled my eyes at her Starbucks (laughs) snobbiness, and now I froth all of my milk all of the time, and it's the most magical thing on the face of the earth. I've never had frothed milk before, so then the last two milk frothers, because they are very cheaply made, broke. So I went to uh, the old Target, and I was buying one, and then right next to it was a milk froth and warmer? Hmm. It's instead of like a little thing you hold down and plunge into it. It has the frothing thing built in, but then it uh, it heats it up too. And uh, your boy Gomer is getting is getting very bougie. Let me just tell you that much. Look at that! I freaking love a cappuccino thick foam on my crappy Keurig coffee. It is amazing. You can
1: take the boy out of a suburban house, but you can't take the suburban house out of the boy. Am I right? <laughs> oh, suburbia has bedded me well. do you think you live in suburbia now
0: what do you mean yeah i live in a suburb is that what you're talking about
1: counterpoint is suburbia killing us all uh yes yeah all right just want to make sure that we're both on the same page there should be
0: there should be two things there should be the urban life and there should be something akin to the rural life and a very small medium place that's slightly less urban but suburban is is called neighborhoods yeah well I mean you could argue that suburbans as neighborhoods, but the problem is it's not connected to life. It's not connected to each other. Exactly.
1: I don't think I, I actually think you could probably make the argument that they're really not neighborhoods. Because all right, let me see. Now I'm now I'm actually kind of curious about it. Uh oh. Now we're going into a ten minute topic without going into a ten minute topic. All right, I'm setting a timer,
0: Luke. I'm gonna set a timer.
1: Yeah. Timer. I set the timer, up. no I'm just kidding. A neighborhood according to Oxford languages. Yeah, it is a noun. district especially one forming a community within a town or city so gomer according to that definition is sub is your typical suburban area a neighborhood
0: i don't i mean it's hard for someone like me to say yes to that because i've grown up in suburbia all my life and it takes a national disaster or weather emergency to meet your neighbors you know
1: I think you're right about okay. So when I think of forming a, a community, you tend to think of forming community in terms of bonds, yeah. and I, I think that's a very fair point and a very good definition of a community and one we should all aspire to. I do think there's also a little bit more of this other aspect of it, where there is a store, there is a barber shop, there is the post office. There's there are the things that the community needs that the community goes to, and can access yeah. with ease.
0: Yeah, you need you need commerce, you need work. Mm-hmm you need entertainment and you need residential all within a relatively close space and generally in the in the american suburbs you have districts where over here is where commerce over here is where work over here is where shopping and over here is where entertainment shopping and entertainment generally blend but like yeah. No, I'm, you know, there's a, there's a thing called the council for the new urbanism. We talked about this years ago, but one of the big things that they have, it, their argument is like, let's take over malls that are defunct at Halloween stores <laughs> and then turn them into not just malls. Like, like, just don't think of like just renovating the interior, but like the surrounding sea of asphalt. What they're doing is they're putting up apartment complexes and, like, one- or two-story apartment buildings and condos and and single-living housing units or whatever. And they're building it around a grocery store. You know, they're turning the department stores into grocery stores and all of these things so that these people can have a walkable community. That's That's the other thing, a bikeable or walkable. Do you think that feels a little dystopian? No, because... So they started doing this in um, like the Netherlands is the most aggressive European country that's doing it. Colombia also has it in a lot of areas, like in Bogota, they've started aggressively doing this. And what they're finding is it creates opportunities for people to meet people, right? Mm -hmm. And so by Mm -hmm. making things walkable and bikeable, by moving cars to the peripheries, still use them, but to the peripheries, you, you actually enable people to be in relationships the environment becomes a social jig right so it's like we right now our environment is isolating right so you you drive on long roads you're in a car you park in a parking Hopefully space i'm listening
1: to this podcast absolutely and donating and to us on patreon.com cf for all the free stuff we've given you over the years all the free <laughs> anger all the free disappointment all the free frustration all the free <laughs> disgust think of that you never would have Patreon. had that without us
0: yeah, patreon.com slash cf but yeah, so it, it creates this like fascinating environment. But but the other problem is where's the cult? Right? The center of a culture is its cultus, right? It's is its worship. Right. The the one thing that these master plan communities lack is the presence of the cult, right? Because we're so secular. So it's like, why aren't these things working? And it's like, because people don't worship together either. Right. And if you go to San Marco Plaza in in Venice, right, the church is on one side, the what do you call it town hall or whatever the government Mm -hmm. building is on the other side there's that one coffee shop that i enjoyed oh yeah and in between is tons of shops and stores and homes above
1: the shops and stores Mm so that's ideal i think you hit on a key point which is cars right we part of this when you look at urban renewal there's a lot of people who get very angry at the history of urban of urban renewal for those of you that don't know it's when we basically destroyed a lot of stuff in these in these urban areas, particularly old, beautiful buildings to make um, rooms for what were um, modern office spaces and parking spots because yeah. the thought was people are going to go downtown to work and they're going to park and they're going to leave and go back to the suburbs. Let's get um, rid of all of the other things, all of this yeah. unnecessary stores, apartments or whatever. So, there's a lot of bitterness for some people now towards urban, because you know, they destroyed not only how we lived, but the beautiful architecture of these areas. Yeah. And I think the bitterness is somewhat valid, but I that would kind of counterpoint with this is the, just the result of a technic society, that this stuff, all of a sudden, when it becomes possible, you think, good, it doesn't really um, um, a matter. So, what really matters is efficiency. Let's build these, let's, let's try to make these things to work around cars, and you're going to be in, you're going to be out, and you're going to have... A, you're going to have a nicer home in a nicer area. And instead of having to walk everywhere or do whatever, you're going to be in your car for 10, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, And you start having like there are parking lot here in the United States. There are actually parking requirements when you build condos yeah. or or buildings in certain areas, which means a lot of that now goes unused. So think about the decline in retail, right? Well, all these malls, all your super on um, Walmarts, all these things are, are meant to have X amount of parking spots available. Yeah, they're required by law f- per square
0: footage, and per fire code maximum occupancy to
1: have X amount of parking spaces. Which then drives up the cost of rent in urban areas for where people can live, where people can do business. So then it just drives up your cost in general. So there's a push actually to make parking, um, you have to pay for parking. And I've seen designs of certain homes where your parking is maybe a little bit away from your house. So where your house is, it's more like, there's some green space and there are some sidewalks going to the homes, but it's almost like a shared area. It, re- it reminded me a bit of gaming for some reason. I don't yeah. really recall why exactly. But to your point, I think all of this is just the result of this desire for efficiency and trying to base yep. our um, other society on that being the primary way to evaluate if a thing is good or not.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow, Luke. Right. The modern heresy of utilitarianism is everything must be judged by the uncompromising standard of efficiency and utility, right? But Mm -hmm. then, but then, like even beauty is, and then Mm -hmm. even liturgy is, and then even like everything in our life is dominated by this thing. And it's like, well, crap, man, this is super useful, and it's killing me. This is super useful, and it's deadening my my love of beauty this like so for instance in the center for the or the congress for the new urbanism whatever it's called they did a study where they it turns out like brick wood stone marble maybe that's it like things that are natural human beings end up having this like insanely positive feedback loop with that's interesting so like if buildings are made out of that on the street level the people in that community will rate themselves as having, like, more positive interactions with neighbors and blah, blah, blah. So it's like our environment affects us, right? So then in this same neighborhood, the Whole Foods moved in, and they wanted to set up displays. So they took out the brickwork and the kind of old craftsmanship of this down. Like It was like in Brooklyn, right? So it's all walkable and stuff. I am walking.
1: I'm walking right. here. of someone from Brooklyn. <laughs> I am. it's just my parents yeah Yeah.
0: but they took it all out and they put in these huge floor-to-ceiling windows right and it says glass does not create this effect and they tracked it that over time pedestrian traffic plummeted no one like subconsciously no one walked over there anymore
1: that's so fascinating
0: right so then they they i want to say that they then like rebuilt some of that stuff and it had the exact like it started to recover like they bricked in stuff They had smaller windows and then all of a sudden you see
1: like walking return and and stuff. I swear half the reason why people want to go to urban areas are because we grew up watching Sesame Street. (laughs) And it just seemed more interesting than like the suburbia that we grew up with. Can I? Okay. I want to limit this to very small, a very small amount of time, maybe two minutes. And I do not want to go into any theology. Okay. Here's your rule. No theology. No church documents. Do you think what you were talking about there? About how people respond to more craftsmanship, more natural thing. Do you think some of the push towards the traditional liturgy is more about that than it is, it's just more of a rejection of, boy, would I rather worship in this space than that space? Is it more
0: about beauty and humanity than it is about utilitarian of drywalled?
1: Well, it's, it's about a, a rejection of the drywall of like, you know, yeah, so like, yo, yeah, hundred yeah, like, and like, I, and I don't mean like, it's not, it's like, I just prefer the way that the gospel is proclaimed or I, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, had- more, I, I don't think this is bad. I don't think this is bad at all. I think this is actually a good thing. No, I think this is
0: deeply, this is like, like uh, the forms, like even the excess of Baroque and Rococo architecture, right. Was meant to express the lightness and beautifulness of nature, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I think beautiful things call to us, right? And I think it's not an accident that shitty music came in at the same time as shitty sanctuaries, because it's it's thought yes. to be oh yeah accessible, no it's all the Same thing, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that that natural whatever is now stripped. And I just keep thinking of the poor. Keep thinking of the poor. The poor now have yeah. no access
1: to beauty, only usefulness. Good luck. I think a lot about when you talked about how the like the old churches was the property of the poor. Yeah. You know, that was theirs. They're the ones who built it. Like, old St. Mary's down in Cincinnati is built stone by stone in just like poor German mom's ovens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like brick by, like, that's that's how they build it. That's and beautiful. it just, it, um, that's beautiful. Yeah. I, and there's something, I, I just think a lot of times some of the liturgy, I don't want to go down this road, but some of this stuff I feel like it's just more personal preference in a way that, like, in a good way, in a yeah. good way, in the sense that, like, I often go back to why? Why do we do this? And we talk to a lot of older boomers uh, in the church who were around during those things. They get so frustrated by the stuff that people our age, particularly people who are in their twenties, are doing because they're like, we rejected all this because like it was horrible, and we're like, no, it's great. And I just think there's such a lack of understanding of yeah. why one wants why one wants the other at times. Yeah. So without getting insane. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We did it. Look at that. Look we, at went, we, we went about it. two minutes and
0: 15 seconds over. That's fine. That's fine. Everything's fine. Next topic. I got the timer going.
1: This is from Miss um, <laughs> Ruby. If you could punch any historical figure, read dead person in the face, but you can't pick an obvious monster, not Hitler, Pontius Pilot, whoever, who would you punch and why?
0: Mm. So I tend to be against the great man theory of history like i i think great the great man theory like there's if it wasn't for this one guy everything would be different i think there's an element of that but um usually it's a culture wide thing that we just don't pay attention to so but if i had to punch one person it would be probably william of ockham why william of ockham uh so ockham. <laughs> william of ockham is the He's a Franciscan who hated Thomas Aquinas and Bonaventure.
1: Oh, and Bonaventure. No, thank you. He called them the little boys of the two orders.
0: His experience or his his theology was where we replace truth and love with power with will. So he really concretizes two things. One's called nominalism, where there's no like the mind can't really know reality. We just invent names, nomen, and we impose that on reality. So there are no, there's no such thing as human nature. There are only individual humans. There are only individual trees. There are only individual whatever. So there's no such thing as human nature. So that's called nominalism. So it divorces reason from reality, which is dangerous. And then the other thing is divine, what we call voluntarism, which is the person has power, and power is the most important thing, and it traces itself all the way to God. Why is something immoral? Only because God has all the power and he said it so. Right, So truth and goodness are now detached from the moral law, and it's only God's divine power. And that's that ripple effect, morality is reduced to obedience to law, right? And that goes all the way back to William. It does not go back to Thomas Aquinas. It's a rejection of Aquinas. And all modern heresies can be traced back to this kind of understanding.
1: Do you think like some of the early, you hear a lot of people talk about the, view, you know, the church pre-Vatican II. It's, this, you know, you've reduced, it, there is the fear of God. People being terrified of going to hell, Catholic guilt. People saying that they, that it was very stiff and it was about like following just the word, of uh, like the letter of the law to a T. Does it come from that?
0: Yeah. So when you talk to a lot of people who are older and they talk about what it was like under pre-Vatican II. The emphasis was always on obedience, right? It was always always on obedience. Yeah. And yeah. people would talk about like, they would say things like, I'd never heard God loves me until I went on a Catholic charismatic retreat in, you know, in 1968 or whenever the Duke.
1: Shine, Jesus,
0: shine, <laughs> So, uh, and you can see this, right? So it's like, because... Because So basically what happened was there was this whole tradition of training priests to help people in confession, right? Like let's identify sin. Let's not see sin where there is no sin. But that training in helping priests do that quickly became what morality was presented as. So morality was just reduced to obedience or disobedience to the law, right? And so in the 1500s, that became Almost the 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 sole expression of morality. Now virtue and love and emotions and all of that stuff was kind of put off into the spiritual theology category. But now you see the the excess, which is love detached from justice, becomes irrationality.
1: Right? It, it absolutely does. Or sentimentality. Yeah, brutally. That's actually a really good point. Brutally. That's Benedict. You had all the answers. He really did. He really did. Who would you punch? Me, it is Woodrow Wilson, you know, he just ruined everything. You know, he just, his desire to just destroy Europe was just a bit much. Hey guys, what's up? This is Luke. I'm here today to talk to you about Decided Excellence Catholic Media. Decided Excellence is a print media company that specializes in community and parish magazines. How about that? Magazines making a comeback. Through local business sponsorship, Decided Excellence is concerned with bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to homes and highlighting the actions of the body of Christ in the local community. So props for that. Parishes partner with Decided Excellence Catholic Media to produce a monthly magazine that is sent to parishioners and Catholic-affiliated homes in the parish boundaries. Decided excellence trains your staff to organize content from the parish. And it really shouldn't be all that, all that, all that too much extra work. So that's always a plus. They wanted to highlight that in there. So make that note. Every magazine centerpiece is a family from the parish that the parish wants to spotlight. This is also an opportunity for parishes to feature their own original content in evangelization and catechesis and to highlight the various ministries of the parish extensive Decided Excellence library, which has articles from Bishop Barron, Scott Hahn, relevant radio, primes, primesoil.com, and much more in the event that, that parishes need additional content. Decided Excellence does all the designing, editing, and mailing for you. That is huge. That is a big, big time saver for you and your parish. The bulletin is available to people who go to Mass or search it out online. The Parish Magazine is the only way to reach 100% of your registered parishioners. Because of our professional design team and production team, the Parish Magazine is superior in beauty and quality. Our magazines are open, kept, read, and shared. And this is why a parish magazine is a great supplement to the bulletin. There are parishes all over the country who have created parish magazines and parishioners love them. The magazine communicates the good works of the parish, strengthens community, and has even brought parishioners back to Mass. How to bring one to your parish? Check out DecidedExcellence.com slash parish and fill out the information form. Once again, that is DecidedExcellent.com slash parish to fill out the information form one more time for the old people in the back check out decidedexcellence.com parish and fill out the information form there's tons of possibilities that you can do here And it's great for you to talk about that with fellow parishioners, parish staff, and the priest at your parish. You can flip through other magazines to see what their magazines are like by going to DecidedExcellence.com. Again, that is DecidedExcellence.com. Thank you to everyone at Decided Excellence for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Great discussion. (laughs) Should there be more or less Catholic internet content. Assume it's the same proportion of good slash awful quality. I think this is a good question, but I'm going to come at this with a different with a different angle, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on what I think, and I'll I, I want to hear yours. But let me just just share this, and I shall be concise. There's as much as there uh, as there needs to be, and there's way too much. And I I, I honestly think it is relative to us to a, a certain extent. No one is forcing any of us to consume this content. So it's very easy just to walk away. And it's very easy to find other other stuff. And I think I put a little bit more onus on the listener now in the sense that if all you're listening to is Catholic content, particularly stuff that's just like uber th- theological, maybe unless you're like a pure academic and like this is actually like what I'm doing. It's fine if it's a hobby. I don't, but I think sometimes it might be time to re examine like, why am I listening to this? Yeah. I've been listening to, uh, I mean, this is pretty religious, but I'm not sure I would exactly say it's Catholic content. I'm a sacred and profane love. I'm just yeah. enthralled with that podcast. Nice. I'm enthralled with it. I, but I think this is more on, there is a culture of like people wanting just to make stuff just to be seen, or they feel like that's how they got to be involved is by being heard. But I, I I don't know. I think like we have a lot more, like, just don't listen. I have been profoundly happier since I've just kind of tuned out a lot of stuff. What do you think?
0: The one thing I hate is the Catholic version of a thing that's popular. Like, are there enough Catholic voices on the internet? Well, I mean, I don't know. There's a, a real strong sense that I say no. Like, we're not in a lot of places. But the other thing is we're not doing the Mrs. Ruby approach, which is like, Hey, my Catholicism is going to spill through everything I'm doing, but you know, and that, that is evangelizing. What we're doing is like, I'm a Catholic productivity guru. I'm a Catholic writing coach. And all of those things are great, but it's like, um, it's like weird that there are certain things that it's just like the Catholic version of a, of a thing. So rather, yeah. So I, I think like that can get a little annoying and a little too much. But at the same time, I'm like when I start to see these like massive trends in the YouTube like space and you you find that there is a weird lack of a Catholic voice. If there's no it, because a lot of Catholics are trying to monetize their content like a Catholic take the St. Paul Center word on fire mm-hmm. uh, form.org like they have revenue models so that they can produce the content, but they're producing television type shows. Right. So if you're producing television type shows you need a television show budget. Whereas a lot of the YouTube stuff is not that it's one guy, one girl, they're recording, they're editing, they're doing all this stuff. Riverside. Yeah. Riverside. But they're a part of the conversation that otherwise isn't happening. And so it's like, yeah, there's a, there's a huge missed opportunity for solid YouTube. And, and I'll even say TikTok, even though I think TikTok is awful. Like there's like an absence because they're trying to monetize it in more traditional ways. I think that's a, a a difficulty.
1: Yeah. And I and I I um I feel a little unqualified to talk about this only because with my job at Spoke Street now, I'm realizing how much I actually don't know. <laughs> just because I have really tuned out a lot of stuff. Like yeah. I, I honestly I never was a really huge like one thing that's been like really cool is when you hear people's stories about how Redeemer on radio has impacted their um, their life. And there is a part of me that's just like, man, I don't think I ever gave Catholic radio the credit it it deserves it's not that i thought poorly of it i just didn't think of it at all yeah and i just like wonder like perhaps if my heart hadn't been so like i I don't know i just i kind of always this kind of sucks why i wish we we could have had our our last episode because i think the whole idea of like irony and because we think the life doesn't have any like our, our, our culture just shoves in our face all the time that life has no meaning so all that's left is either irony or a sincerity yeah I, I wonder how much that impacts our view towards Catholic media when it comes to things like if there is a glut of Catholic content. My response is to always be hostile to it. I do think it can be harmful, but to like, but where is that line actually?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. you know. And so I've, I think what's actually more concerning to me is the gluttony of Catholic consumption. So I'm reading yeah. Dante's Inferno, and the gluttony thing really, when he's in the the circle of gluttony. I think it's like canto six or whatever. I don't know. It's really fascinating because when we talk about gluttony, I'm not going to try to find the line. It's really good though. Can you hold please?
0: Dun, 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 dun. Dante's Inferno, Dante's Inferno. Chiaco tells Dante there are many other Florentine gluttons in the circle of Hell, including some of Dante's acquaintances. <laughs> Dante is deeply saddened by this, and the encounter serves as a reminder of the destructive power of gluttony and its consequences.
1: It's such a cool line. Okay, sorry, I can't um, find it. What? What? What was it? Uh... So basically, the idea is that the like pains of gluttony is that they're actually. They can tell that there are other people around them, but they're just alone. They don't, they can't see them. They don't know where they are. They don't realize how close they are, but they're just so isolated. So the sin of gluttony is actually your excessive consumption alone. And it's cut you off from other people and you can't even tell that they are there. So they're all like in the mud. They're all lying down. There's just like hail or rain just pouring down. There's like, like, excess but they're so obsessed with their own their own self they can't see that there's other people around them so they're just stuck by themselves and they feel completely alone in their in their absorption of this excess mm. and that's like super interesting if your catholic content leads you to that that's bad and if your creation of it if it leads to more isolation and it leads to more just like if it's purely about Creating, not, not that I, I don't think creating is bad, even for the sake of creating. But if it ultimately becomes, it can become like a gluttonous thing when it cuts you off. And that's where I think the danger is. Mm. And so I, it's not so much with the number of people as much as it is how are, it really, to me, it's, I'm more concerned about how are we making it? Not necessarily even the why, but the how. And how are we consuming this stuff? Because if it ends up that it just like we're just we're we're just alone and it's just thing after thing after thing after thing and we're cut off from the from the rest of the world, that is a problem. I think the going back to your point, one of the dangers though is that like if it's not really about anything and we're just consuming stuff because it feels like it is kind of good, not only is it gluttony, but it's a gluttonous consumption of things that are actually bad
0: for it i think the sin of gluttony is the most under talked about it used to be greed but now it's gluttony i think because there's so many like mental health and emotional issues tied now that we understand a little bit deeper about excessive sure but at its core there's this element of i cannot stop satisfying my physical desires to the point where i've lost self-control and i i can identify areas in my own life with that like the In the the gluttonous in the third circle of hell, are they also they're also surrounded by people pushing rocks, right? Or heavy stones
1: around the perimeter. They're like yes wasters or something. Those are the I think it is them actually. Well it's
0: just amazing because like Dante's hell is it's the when whenever I was first introduced to it, I always thought it was so weird, but it's like the sins, this is the consequence of the sins that you've shaped your life around, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I think he's so brilliant in imaginatively portraying these things. And it's like, he gives you insight into them that I otherwise never would have had. Like I did a a talk on um, Dante's Inferno on the sin of envy in purgatory. It's called the jaundiced eye, because you're always, you're always looking to others, but not to satisfy them, but to consume what they have. Right. And it's just, it's, it's super fascinating. So yeah, any of that stuff I think is worth worth spending a lot of time on so yeah they are consumed by their desire for food and
1: drink but unable
0: to control their cravings or be satisfied
1: i, I think you're right but i think a lot of times we only like some of that is lust yeah that 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 desire and I, I think what dante's getting at here a little bit is it's not only is it the desire but it's the how yeah so if you're consuming this stuff and it's i'm leaning to a point where you're just alone Yep. a lot and it's cut like i think i got that way with podcasts for, oh when yeah i was in, yeah, me too. when i was in idaho yeah and, and me because with I, youtube
0: like yeah i threw yeah. myself into youtube like kind of crazily when me and shannon were going through our lack of healing from the miscarriages you know mm-hmm. absolutely consumption like isn't it funny though because of our modern technological world consumption is like consumption of media is like the the new alcoholism right like i can just Mm -hmm. numb myself and i I, like last night i was like i don't want to go to bed i don't want to i have nothing to do in the morning other than catching fox so i don't have to wake up early i am just going to stare at this screen and try to find something entertaining and i couldn't use youtube so i had to watch movies and so i was like (laughs) so yeah anywho and so i'm just like i don't like i'm numbing myself so i just got up and went to bed but that's totally me yeah and you can do that with catholic content yeah, and I think that's what the consumption of 24-hour news is doing to the older generation, right? Like, I think it's it's cutting you off but allowing you to feel the feels of as if you're in—it's a parasocial relationship, right? It allows us to feel like we're in a relationship, but we're not. Oh, I love Tucker. Oh, I love Maddow. And you're like—but they don't love you back. They don't know you, right? Now, unlike Patreon.com slash CF where we know and love all of our good people— no, but mean, Sean yeah. just wrote this thing I think it was great. He goes, and now we're back to David Foster Wallace, who was terrified of the isolating effects of television. I wonder what he would say. Exactly. What do you think about the smartphone? Like he, he he talks about it in that essay. And the sad thing, thing it is it can somewhat predicts it. Oh yeah, that's right. The the individual yeah. The it's just sad. I like the human mind will consume what it wants to consume. So if it's Catholic content, they'll consume that. If it's woodworking videos, it'll be that. Right? Like we can we have the remarkable ability for self deception and numbing. And uh, I think we can use any content. So there's, you know, do good good stuff. You know, don't be afraid to put it out there on the internet because, oh, the Catholic market is saturated. You know, not with great stuff, so go do something
1: great. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right, next topic. Next topic is an advice for someone who has never had a healthy relationship with confession. A convert with scrupulosity and OCD who swings between overly dependent on confession to overly anxious of it trying to find the truth and trying to find the truth and goodness to it but it's a tough journey. I would say number 1,
0: don't go to confession, go to a confessor. Find a priest who will journey with you because there comes a point with scrupulosity where it goes beyond like you can't just read another book and finally be like, "Oh, look, I'm no longer scrupulous." You can't just like you can't read a book on OCD and you're no longer OCD. Like this is a a spiritual habit that for whatever reason is in you and so you need to be able to address this stuff with someone who can be like nope yep nope you need someone who knows you that's my first
1: thing luke what do you think i think i would push back that it's a spiritual habit Uh, well are are you saying that that scrupulosity is a spiritual not uh
0: well i mean i correct it's a it's a it's a spiritual problem right i mean there's ocd Mm, which is like you can you can make a distinction between scrupulosity and ocd although i think in most cases there's probably a a profound overlap
1: yeah i i I think for the most part scrupulosity is the result of anxiety or ocd or some form because it's it's a desire for control ultimately and a lot of that comes from anxiety it's like we had dr greg but greg pataro on like we we like we live in a material world and we are a material girl so in the sense that we have to acknowledge that there's a spiritual and there is the material and there can be so much overlapping and intertwinement and all that stuff. But you like when it comes to scrupulosity, particularly if it's, and I don't mean like I'm talking like, and I think this, this is like what this person is getting at extreme form yeah. of like going to confession, perhaps the next day, yeah. like just tons of, I mean, just like massive, just, you just think about it over and over and over and over yeah. and over again. This is like a, this is a level that I think someone like me don't understand until you yeah. see it. And it's like, oh yeah, no, I've never, I could probably, you know, like I used to have a joke where I'm like, I could use a bit of that. And now I'm like, not at all. That's not funny (laughs) because it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's awful. It can be truly, truly,
0: truly debilitating in your spiritual life. So I met a woman, we were doing a penance service and I met a woman who came to me and she said, yeah, can I ask you a quick question? I was like, yeah, sure. And she said, I, um, I don't know if I should be here. (laughs) Um, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, Okay, well, I'm sure you're supposed to be here. How can I help you? And she goes, well, I went to confession yesterday and a couple days before that. And actually, I've been told by the priest to stop going. And I was like, oh, you're scrupulous. And then she started telling me, she's like, okay, so I started this novena, but I missed a day because of something. So am I going to hell? And I was like, yeah. And I just shoved her. No, I didn't do that. Um, No. (laughs) So, you know, and I was like, you need to come in and sit and talk with me. We need to talk. We need to talk. We need to talk. I said, you're seeing sin where there is no sin. You're seeing sin and temptation. You're seeing sin in mistakes like that. Is not sin? It's like it is good to see sin where there is sin, and I would rather you do that. But like I mean, she was truly an anxious person. You know the the difficulty is where you only again. I mean, you could go back to punching William of Occam. This is someone who only see who only lives within the fear of God and acknowledges not.
1: The love of God I agree with you I agree with you I I think that's more mental health than it is
0: yeah it, it can be but I there are so I said that to a priest and he's like uh, I've known people that don't have any anxiety in terms of like a mental health it, it can but it's not exactly the same thing it's like moral uh or despair as an emotion
1: is not the same thing as despair as a moral act that's fair I'm viewing scripturelas as like I think I saw a piece of white stuff on the floor near near the altar. Can we go back and look? And then you're just like pacing back and forth. For yeah, I would say
0: that's OCD. That's a religious OCD. Mm-hmm. Scrupulosity is so it, like even in books on scrupulosity, the first chapter is if you have scrupulosity, put this book down, right? Because you can't help yourself. This is not a self help thing ever, ever, ever. And that's where I think it overlaps with OCD. the The thing is like how do I put it? Scrupulosity as a spiritual or moral condition is principally about finding sin where there is no sin. The anxiety I would say is the fruit of a scrupulous conscience, right? And so what's the root of a scrupulous conscience? I don't know, probably um, over-exaggeration of the moral law. Whereas it's not just like, oh, I, I, I need to purify my hands because I touched a fragment of the host. I need to do this three times. Oh no, maybe I didn't do it well
1: enough or whatever. I think the only disagreement I would have with that is I would say that scrupulosity is the fruit of anxiety, but I have a feeling that it's it's probably like dependent upon the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do think it's important to ask to try to figure that out. Oh, absolutely. This is where I just like wouldn't trust a priest. <laughs> like, I, and this is I'm nothing against against priests. I would just rather trust a mental health professional when it comes to tr- one with, with like a Catholic background. Okay, so I think someone like a doctor. Greg Vitaro, or, you know, whoever could understand, help you journey a bit. And I, I think a priest could be helpful. I'm sure there are plenty of priests who understand that. Well, what saddens me is exactly what you said. The the woman t- was told, stop going to confession.
0: Like, you're not in sin. Stop going to confession. And it's like, uh, okay, I see why you said that. But now she's going to be scrupulous over that. Like, Like, how often do I go? What do I do? And it's like, that's not the right. You need to have multiple hour-long conversations. I guess my
1: like my hesitation. I'm not sure we or the preacher the ones who should actually be having those. Conversations. Yeah, no, that's yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Like that, that's I, I, well, actually, let me let me backtrack that. If there's not a mental if if someone's like and, and this is tough, this is super hard. If there's not a if there if there's not a mental health professional who's involved, it can be hard to like I'm gonna navigate yeah. that a little bit. You know, it's it's like well, let me just put it this way. When, when Christ, I heard this on Dr. Greg Bataro's podcast recently. I thought that was a really great point. When Christ is going through his passion, think of the amount of people who are involved. You uh, have Simon help someone with his cross or whatever his, his name was. Yeah. You uh, have like a Veronica who wipes his face. You have the angels who comfort him and you know, like all this stuff. You need different people to help to help you out with that. And I think where I cringe, not cringe, sorry, that's that's wrong. Where I get a little bit hesitant when you say like the priest shouldn't be saying that is I have seen things where actually they needed to hear that. Yeah, And so it's it's tough because it's like Getting to that root cause, I think sometimes we reduce it to a, a spiritual thing, and it's not always that. Yeah. It's a lot of times it's not yeah. that. And I, I there's, I think it's something worth talking about in a very, very judgment-free way, where it's more about understanding someone's experience and not trying to just explain it. I don't know. I'd be curious to see, do you think we're training people well to how to um, navigate things people who work in ministry, work for the church, are we training them well of when to see, hey, this is actually a mental health thing, this is when it's Well, there was a, a huge thing.
0: push in, in youth ministry in the late 2000 aughts, which is weird to say, mm-hmm. but of, of that, exactly that. It's like, let's equip you with enough mental health resources so that you can identify when you are out of your depth. Right, so if you have a teen who has a breakup and they're sad and they need to talk about it, you can do that for your high school student. But if, like, if you start like, how do you recognize warning signs when you're like, oh no, this is not a bad breakup or whatever that they just need love and support and community and that they have the mental and emotional resources to pull themselves out of this? This is a, a clearly clinical issue that you need to pass them on to a counselor, right? So that type of stuff was super big. I would say like 2000, maybe 2007 to 2010, like there were a lot of books being published in Protestant and and even Catholic resources, like recognize the signs and acknowledge your limitations and pass them on. Like you can't help them in this regard. The tendency for religious people is to see everything as a religious problem or a spiritual problem. And that is always a danger, but that doesn't mean that scrupulosity is identified as an anxiety or OCD issue as its root all the time. That's fair. That's fair. That's my only caution of saying it only has, like, it's just the spiritual form of OCD or the moral form of OCD. It may be, or anxiety. It may be, it may be born out of a sense of control or it might be born out of a sense of complete. I'm lost.
1: And this is the way I'm trying to claw my, you know, a, a, a creepy yeah.
0: Pelagianism.
1: Well, you, you know, what's really funny too. That's, that's a, that's a good point. I think for, for me, I, I can definitely deal with analysis paralysis. And so I think there's this temptation to be like, No, I had to find I have to find the like the right thing and be okay with like, hey, it's about the journey quite often, not about the answer, which is like where the plagiarism stuff can kind of creep in a little bit. And so I think that's a good point to remember that not everything is like this and it's it's a little bit of like a it's 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 an experience, it's a process, it takes time. And so I, I think I would encourage if you're dealing um with that, just to seek different voices. Mm-hmm different people, because I think that ultimately, you have an understanding of, of that stuff. And to, and, and to honestly, be patient with yourself. That's the big thing. Be patient. Like, God. God's healing often takes time. And I think sometimes we expect instantaneous mm-hmm. things. Oh, yeah. Hello. Today's episode of Catching Foxes is sponsored by the Amen app. What if the way to deepen your prayer life is actually really simple? Tell me more. You could do it in your car or in your kitchen, in your bedroom or your dorm room, by yourself or with your kids. And it's not just surface level. It's true, deep prayer. That's why the Amen app helps you pray. It's like a guide that walks you through your prayer time. Designed by the Auguston Institute so late Catholics can grow in authentic prayer that fits their daily routine. The look of the app and the sound of the recordings engages your whole self in prayer. On the previous ad read, I mispronounced the word whole. I'll let you guess which word I use instead. The meditations use beautiful images and soothing music to help you relax and let the word sink in for you personally. And you can do that with a whole library of prayers. Put on the rosary, divine mercy chaplet, or start a novena. Improve your habits of praying with scripture through daily readings and reflections led by Dr. Tim Gray. Listen to Catholic meditations for themes like anxiety, courage, mercy, and spiritual growth. It is a super simple app to use. You can adjust the length of the prayers to fit your window of time, and the best part, Amen is free and always will be. This is perfect for Lent. Download the Amen app today for iOS on their App Store or for Android on the Google Play Store. Again, this is the perfect thing for uh, for a Lent. So go and download the Amen app today. It is on the App Store for for iOS and for all you people that that have an Android. Okay, that is a choice. You can go to the Google Play Store again. Download the the uh, the Amen app for your iPhone or your Android on both respective app platforms. Thank you to the Amen app for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Let's just end with a classic, a classic Catching Foxes thing. I need you two to discuss the most recent Marvel phase movies. Thank you. Give it to you, Gomer.
0: I haven't seen Wakanda Forever. I have not seen the new Quantum Mania. My kids watch uh, Wakanda Forever and they said they love the beginning, the tribute that they do to Sedgwick. And they love Chadwick. Huh? Chadwick Sedgwick. Sedgwick is a moral philosopher I was just reading yesterday. Damn emotivist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Chadwick Bosman. So they, they, all my kids said exactly what a lot of like people, like reviews that I read said, which is, the beginning is is really touching and beautiful. When there's like an ending that they think is great, and then it doesn't stop. It just kind of keeps going. And my one kid fell asleep. The others were bored out of their mind. Yeah. So that's my only that's my only experience.
1: Yeah, uh, I have seen Wakanda Forever. The majority of it, Quantum Mania, Spider Man, and Doctor Strange. I don't remember the other ones, which is probably telling. I've seen the majority of the TV shows, if not all of them. Uh, yeah, I think. I mean, there's a couple things that are going on. I think one, I think that the CEO of Disney, the, the previous CEO, was just like content, 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 yeah. co- content. His main thing was to get people onto the Disney Plus app because that's, I believe, still a hemorrhaging money, and um, we're in for a wild time when it comes to content, everyone. And so, uh, there's a lot of theory that that uh, um, that Marvel was stretched too thin, and so which I think is probably true. Uh, Kevin um, Feige has even said now with, the, with that they're going to kind of scale back on how much stuff they are putting out, which I think coincides with Bob Iger being back as the temporary CEO. So I think that'll help because I think the content has been fine; it hasn't just been great. I also think there's this thing where people are comparing everything to Endgame and to uh, Ragnarok, to Infinity War, to all these things, and it's that's kind that's just not fair. Those are, those were 10 years of build up and really good movies. And those are unique film experiences that I don't really know if we will have again because yeah. you, we have never had this thing where there's been a decade of 20 plus films going into, to tell this, to help inform your experience. Like you cannot divorce your experience of these previous films from the last, from the last ones, And so to hold Ant-Man, like Ant-Man Quantum Mania, Is like a B minus C C plus film, anywhere kind of along those that range. It's it's some parts it's actually very fun. Some parts it's fine. Some parts it's kind of really interesting. Jonathan Winters, I believe is his name, the actor who plays Kang, is wonderful. I mean, he is wonderful. He is Tony. He is Robert Downey Jr. esque. I love seeing this person in this role. So super excited about Jonathan majors. um, Sorry, Jonathan am Major, I'm like Jonathan Winter is an old comedian from Dayton. Sorry, I was like, I I knew it was one of those two things. So anyways, and I, I just don't think it's I would agree with your kids, like Wakanda Forever, like the beginning is beautiful. I mean, Angela Bassett, great. It's just it's just it's just kind of boring. Yeah. You know?
0: I saw I saw maybe the last ten minutes and I just it was like, "Oh my goodness, get me out of here. This is so boring." And I go, "What do you Hey kids, what do you what do you think? You know, how, how have you liked it?" And they're like, "Uh, no, thank you." He was like, "There's a couple parts that were yeah. cool, but uh. so here's here's the 10 movies of Phase 4. Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, didn't see it, Spider-Man didn't. No Way Home, great. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Better than people give it credit for. Thor it. Love and Thunder. Okay. Black Panther Wakanda Forever, yeah. The Marvels. I haven't seen it. That's not out yet. Right. That got shifted, I think, to 2023. Ant-Man and Wasp, Quantumania. Better than people give it credit for. And then Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3.
1: Very excited about that. The previews look phenomenal. And I would say the TV shows are better than people are. Again, I think everyone's... I think WandaVision, in terms of being quirky, weird, fun, something different, awesome. I thought it was great. Have you watched it a second time? Not the, not the whole way through with any sort of dedication. So here's,
0: here's the TV shows. WandaVision. Great. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Fun. Loki. Great. What If. Fun. Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Great. Secret Invasion, TBA, Ironheart TBA, Armor Wars TBA, and I Am Groot TBA. I Am Groot's already been released. They're little
1: like, okay. there's little one-offs. Those are fun. Oh, no, I did see those. Okay, my kids so watched Like Okay, so that's a lot. <laughs> think about all that yeah. in the past like what four five years? That's a tremendous amount compared to phase one or even or even phase two or three. It's a tremendous amount. So I think scaling back is good. I thought that Moon Knight was really interesting. I thought that Winter Soldier was good enough. You know, I'm not gonna w- watch it again, but I I am glad I watched it. It was fun. I liked those characters. I thought when it when it was good, it was when it had its moments, it was it was not great, but good. I thought That Loki, I really enjoyed that, particularly towards the end. I've not gone back to um, WandaVision, but I thought it was a... I I think I've gone back here and there. I just thought it was very... I love the idea. I thought it was very fun. Did you watch Hawkeye? I did. I did. Fine. Fine. I didn't think it was great. I think that's probably one that could have used a little bit more time. I thought that Miss Marvel was actually super interesting at times. I love how they were going into Pakistani history and just kind of those dynamics. I think that's actually really interesting. And so... I I enjoyed that. I, I, when that was good, actually, I thought that Miss Marvel had great moments in there. Whatever its name was, where Hawkeye was like fine with good moments. Mm. I think that Loki was more great than good. I think Wandavision was more great than good. I think that Moon Knight was barely more great than good, but its highs are pretty high. But it's. I don't know. It's it's kind of a mixed bag. And so I think they need to get a little bit of quality control going on. And I think that'll help out a lot. But I'm also, um, I'm kind of, I've, I've got the palate cleanser in the sense that I'm not overwhelmed by any of it anymore. So I'm like, bring it on. So my my
0: view is not that everyone's comparing it to Avengers Endgame. I mean, to a certain extent,
1: Infinity War and Endgame. Well, sorry, let me just back up. I think with Quantum Mania, that it is not as bad as people are I'm a, I'm making it, it out to be. All right go on
0: no i was just gonna say i think that one you know what they're capable of two uh (laughs) i think people rate the shows and movies higher than what they deserve because of Endgame and infinity wars like you love the characters and they're this is what disney does oh you like this movie we'll we'll give you 12 more in a spinoff this has always been disney this has always been the Lion King 1.5. Synergy. Lion King 2 with <laughs> T- Timon and Pumbaa. Go on wacky adventures together. You like Timon and Pumbaa, right? So The Aladdin TV show. Yeah. And and all that stuff. And I, you know, uh, growing up I watched the Aladdin television show. I thought that was funny. Um but whatever. Like they've always done that. You have a big movie and then you try to capitalize it on merchandising and follow-up television shows, right? But like so Sha- Shang Chi and the Legend of the 10 Rings. There are elements of that that is like like Black Widow. I like Black Widow. I like Shang-Chi. I hated Eternals. It was stupid. Spider-Man No Went Home was great. The Doctor Strange got really boring in a lot of parts and then really cool in a lot of parts. Thor Love and Thunder was stupid. Ant-Man and and uh, obviously the Marvels and Black Panther I haven't seen. Now when it comes to the WandaVision and them, I liked the uniqueness. Like I'm fine with them taking things in a different direction. I mean, I love it when they do like they experiment with form and do like hey, this isn't just Wanda punching bad guys. This is, you know, Wanda breaking down and taking over a town and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Falcon and the Winter Soldier I think is 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 absolutely terrible. I like <laughs> the I think the 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 two lead actors have an awesome chemistry when they do their thing. Like when, when the, the, the script lets them do their thing. But as a show, I think it's awful because I think it's like, Hey, here's a really popular, really successful black superhero called the Falcon that not a single person hated. Everyone loved his character in Endgame and in infinity wars and all that stuff. And it's like, now we're going to make him captain America. And it's like I get what they were doing, but it's like,
1: but here comes f- from the comics though.
0: Yeah, right? they're, uh, Well, first the Winter Soldier becomes Captain America. If you want to play this game with the comics and you're being fit, fa- but like the Falcon is a great character. Mm-hmm. He's an original character. Mm-hmm. He's a mm-hmm. black character, and then he just becomes subsumed into this white character. And the the large part of this is a comic book nerd who is a black activist that I read, and he is like again you are you think you're paying homage to black people like hey look at all this gr-. you're now captain america now the 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 face of captain america is now a black a black man's face like this is epic and it's like okay but then you got rid of the the original black character so whatever the show is stupid like the the like the thing that kills me is there are moments that i enjoy in all of these that i think like oh that was cool that was creative but the plot yeah yeah i, I couldn't yeah I, I couldn't tell you the like is like here's a woman who was a terrorist, but you know what? She's killed innocent people, but she did it for what she thinks are the right reasons. So everything's okay. Do better, and I'm like, I can't, I can't
1: deal with that crap. That's a bit of the thing that I think that kind of annoys me is they found that with Black Panther and and with Infinity War where it's like, even I mean, obviously they're not trying to make like Thanos be good, but it's just like a little bit of a. The villain with a point, right? This is yeah. much more true in in mm. Black Panther than in. But even with in like Infinity War, it's a little bit more believable why. Because really, what, what they're going for is they want you to buy into why this person's doing this, right? As a because that will make you much more interested in, in them as a character. And even I don't think i Thanos is is the villain with a point. He's the villain with a okay. I could see someone doing this. I mean, in, a, in, a, in yes. a comic book, you want to make the evil world. believable. Yeah, not like real life, but like comicy world,
0: right? And you know? so you have what's his name, Doctor Strange, in the first movie, where the villain is is like uh, like it's just token bad guy, right? And when you have token bad guy, you're like, okay, I don't really care. I know he's gonna lose. It's really all about the hero. Yeah, like the first Doctor Strange movie is about the hero becoming the hero. I would argue in Iron Man you have these weird villains that are they they feel like scripted token villains like oh he's a bad guy he's your best friend he's your dad's best friend oh he's actually the the big bad you know behind the scenes but to tony stark's character those people all matter because it's 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 it goes to the whole arc of tony stark which is he's paying the bills of his father the the bills have come due for his father's sins and here's his dad's best friend, who is now an unscrupulous arms dealer. Here is his dad's, you know, the work that he stole from this man that eventually bankrupted him and killed him. Here's his son getting revenge on the guy's son, you know, in, in Iron Man 2, which is the, you know, but that, but like you get into, like the plots are like just so unbelievable. But the thing that kills me with WandaVision is like she possessed an entire town. And it's like, you know, and, and re- <laughs> re- did reality for the whole thing. It's like, yeah, who cares? Like, Moon Knight, I thought was, su- I think, like, my buddy Joey was like, it could have been incredible. Yes, I, and it I agree was, with that. And the plot was just okay. Elements within the plot were awesome. But then you're just like, oh. that's That, to me, is like that, oh. It could have been awesome. It could have been awesome. Like, Hawkeye, there's a new Hawkeye comic that came out around this time. And it was super popular, and it was super hilarious, and pe- and people were hoping that that's what the Hawkeye show was going to be, and it wasn't. It was about phasing him out and replacing him, similar to Loki.
1: I think part of the problem though is that there's a little, they're just it's they're still comic book films, and so I think sometimes we yeah. want them to be oh, yeah. more than that. It's like, well, this is always going to end with the big fight because that's kind of the point. Yeah. And at the, at the
0: end of the day, they're just going to punch the bad guy, and guys. that's what makes it
1: boring. Like ultimately, yeah, quite, quite often it is that. So it's more. Of, I, I, that's why I, one of our
0: most popular episodes that we've ever had on this show was superhero fatigue. Mm-hmm. That's what I said about the second Spider-Man movie, or maybe the first one, where it's like, eh, okay, I mean, I liked it, but maybe I'm just done with just punching the bad guy. That was, just,
1: I think, it was the second one because the first one's
0: great. Yeah, I think you're right
1: because right. the first one's The Breakfast Club, which is, I mean, not exactly, <laughs> but it's 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 a fun high school film. <laughs> which they don't make those anymore. So I I do think, I I think you're right. Probably a lot of it comes down to the superhero fatigue and it's not so much with the Marvel lore as much as it is with the superhero format, which is just, I don't need to see, I'm just not interested in the big fight anymore. I'm just not. So it kind of makes it, it's like, hey, I'd rather just... And and
0: it is funny because just like you said, it is the comic books because I remember when Infinity, when we realized like this is the Infinity Saga, I went out and bought all the Infinity War comic books and read them and it's like, and it's like, uh, I, th- I think I've said this before, but like eternity itself and infinity itself. The personalized structures of these yeah. su- superhuman realities come to battle Thanos. Subscription they-
1: rates itself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how do they battle Thanos? They try to punch him or a ray beam comes out of either their eyes or their fists. And, he's like, and Thanos just is like, <laughs> he erects a bubble of a shield and then defeats them. And you're like. Oh, so you just punch your way with superhero? But powers. like
1: the the fun about a comic yeah. book thing, though, is that is you're able to sit and you're able to like um, um wrestle with that idea. In a film, you don't have that yeah. ability. You don't. You know? Isn't that funny? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's it's kind of the whole. It's one of it's the main drawback of film is it's it's very difficult to actually wrestle with it in the moment.
0: Which I think goes back to David Foster Wallace's critique of television, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're not contemplating this thing; it's being it's it's given to you like immediately right and then in his context is you know you're just reaction there's no contemplation no sitting with it which is why books are so important
1: yeah hey we're done thank you to everyone for participating in this lots of cool stuff coming down the pipe very excited for you guys to hear about it still working on a few things had a good meeting about this the other day excited good fun stuff
0: Gomer, I love you Luke I love you as well Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. If you are a patron over on patreon.com/cf, Luke posts anywhere from 30 seconds to a couple days before when we'll record a show. And <laughs> because we don't say, decide till 30 seconds or a couple days yeah, before. Exactly. Not,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's not Let's on Luke, be that's be clear here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the time change was I got a text at 3 minutes before I posted, "Hey, it's going to be at 10:30." <laughs> and then you were late. I was. so. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were late. No, it's fine. This is our here. epitome of the dumb and dumb rhymes. We all walk into a room, hitting each other at the back of the leg. our game. <laughs> That's
0: exactly what we're doing. Oh, gosh. We are beautiful. Last thing is uh, we got big money moves coming on Patreon. Luke Luke and I are both going to give ourselves a lot more over to this stuff. And we're also eliciting third-party help that's going to go nameless right now for Patreon fulfillment. So now is the time. If you want to help Michael Gormley and Luke Carey, (laughs) patreon.com slash CF, content you won't get from Catholic
1: Answers. If we've ever given you any sort of emotion at all, Anger, love, jealousy, fear, despair, passion, <laughs> disgust. Yeah. If we've
0: ever tickled your pickle, we give it to you for on free. this show. Now is the time. Now is the time.
1: If if we've ever just given you any sort of complete feelings of repulsion, <laughs> where else are you going to fight that? Mild derision, JT says.
0: All right, Sarah, Lydia, JT, Sean, all the good people that joined us. God bless y'all. Adios. Bye.